With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. On Lincoln Live today, I get to spend some time with Lincoln's police chief, Teresa Ewens. Chief, good to have you here. Thank you very much. Belly up there to the bar a little bit closer, <laughs> would you please? Not Thank you. Uh, I want to go back to last month's meeting at the Malone Community Center, a couple of hours worth of exchange between you and yes. citizens, mm -hmm. the audience, and you revealed at that point that uh, you are dyslexic. Yeah. Not that that's a big deal, but it, it was the first time I'd heard you say that. How have uh -huh. you worked through that learning disability, disorder, excuse me, not disability, disorder? So uh, growing up, it, there wasn't a word for it. Um, teachers really just uh, either told you or made you feel like you're stupid. Um, it was it was a time where, uh, you know, between Northern California and Southern California, there were huge differences in understanding about learning. And so it, it was difficult, but, you know, I had a great family. Um, my mom was a teacher, very supportive. My father was very supportive. You know, it's that's the whole key to it, um, getting through it. Uh, I was more stubborn, um, and I didn't want help. Like many, many people are like, I can do it myself. But, you know, I realized that I couldn't, and I had to learn how to learn. Uh, many people will understand that because so many people are have some form of dyslexia. Um, mine is, you know, I have to constantly be paying attention um, to how I learn and, and information I'm taking in. And, you know, it's, I mean, I overcame it. I mean, I'm a chief of police. I, I think... I think there was a point in my life where I realized that I needed to make some changes as far as, you know, not being so afraid of taking tests, doing, you know, putting myself out there because it does it does hamper you, you know, your your view of yourself in many ways, and uh, and so I kind of just let that go. Well, it was strong to open up, but thank you for doing that. And you also revealed at the town hall that mm -hmm. all LPD officers will have or already have. Mm -hmm. Uh, LPD-issued phones capable of translating languages. That was new to me. Tell me more of that. Yeah, we felt it was really important um, because of the changing landscape of, of Lincoln and uh, diverse communities uh, coming in increasingly, that it was really important that when we respond out to the scenes that we're not having family members or neighbors or, or anyone like that really doing translation for us if, if our officer isn't speaking language, the language. Um, and so on our phones in San Francisco, uh, we're able to call a number and, and basically have a translator. And it was like hundreds of different language, um, languages that were, uh, we could access. And so that was really important, and it meant so much to the community that we could actually communicate. They could actually tell us their story um, and have us understand it uh, is, is so critical when we're doing this job. So how does that work? You hold the phone up to the conversation and it translates no i mean you, you call a number there there is a an app that it can be translated but you know there is a number you can call uh it's a service that we pay for and and they would we call them and then they'd have the communication you could put on speakerphone so so a we live understand. person at the other end yes interesting yeah See, in my mind, the, I was thinking it was translating over the phone through some software app. 
No, I mean that is I like this that idea is a better. way of doing that. But I think the the most important thing is it it being a live person because there's different dialects. Even Spanish has different. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Mayan, and I mean, there's just so many so many different dialects um, in languages. So it's very important that we ha- get the right one. Um, you know, we have a Sudanese population. Depends. You know, everything's dependent on what region. So it, it's very important that we have something that officers can use as a resource. Um, right now, our officers don't have. We're we're getting the phones out there, but we're not there yet at officers. It's coming in the next month. All right, Police Chief Teresa Ewan's with me on Lincoln Live. Uh, Philadelphia, the first major city in the country to pass a ban on police officers pulling drivers over for low-level traffic infractions mm-hmm. as a way to reduce racial profiling. Uh, some might wonder what what a routine traffic stop would be if you have a broken taillight, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you have some minor damage that's noticeable and then could potentially be dangerous to the driver's turn signals, those sorts of things. Uh, I've heard it called poverty pullovers. I heard that in conversation at the town right. hall meeting. And out of the holding cops accountable came Trace, the trust, respect, accountability, cooperation, and equity a name that was made up of a steering committee, a couple of subcommittees, including a policy committee, and that group intends to look at traffic stops mm-hmm. of minorities. What's your insight on this? Well, first of all, it, it's always a good conversation, um, and it should be an ongoing conversation. It just shouldn't be a, you know, check the box for 2022 and say that we talked about it. That's not at all what we should be doing. Um, Malone Center is an important partner for us, and I think that the ongoing conversation um, should should happen continuously. Uh, the review of our data in regards to our traffic stops is is great. I mean, that's why data is so important to law enforcement. You know, understanding though what the data says and not um, just assuming that uh, there is a narrative that could be had. It is complicated. If I'm telling my uh, motors or our officers to go to a certain location because there's been a lot of either deaths or serious injuries due to to, tra- to traffic, then we need to make sure that we're out there. And that sometimes can can create inequities depending on the community itself. And, you know, we you can't, and many academics say this, you cannot look at census data and say that, you know, because there's a 5% population that then because your, your da- data doesn't match that, that you're wrong or it's or it, there's inequities. Um, we have to look at why we're there. We have to look at the traffic stops themselves. Um, is it, are we giving tickets based on a collision? Are we giving tickets based on um, a crime or a warrant? You know, there's a lot of things that are, um, that play into it that people have to understand. And so we're trying, I'm working with um, our data, our, our smart people in the department, um, on trying to, how do we, how do we really capture that Information, and so we're we're trying to work on that. But I I'm really looking forward to that conversation with them alone. Son, you brought that up that you cannot compare census data mm-hmm. with traffic report data mm-hmm. because if the community if the community is five percent black or pick a minority mm-hmm. and you have twenty percent of black or pick a minority in the right. percentage of traffic stops, you can't compare. Yeah. I've heard it also called a, a there, there's a social component too that. For example, if a minority group is having an issue or people within the minority group have an issue in being able to pay for new license plates or yeah. to get a different vehicle mm-hmm. or to renew their insurance, those types of things, that's a social 
issue, and that yes. could skew results of traffic stops up. Is that accurate? Um, you know what? I we have to balance uh, safety. Um, you know, for for law enforcement, it really is about the safety component of it. Is the should the vehicle be on the street? Now, there's also many different reasons why you pull people over in the middle of the night. If your lights are off, there could be a reason why the lights are off. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, as far as outside of law enforcement, when we talk about people that can't afford to register their cars and things like that, there, I think there should be some kind of, some kind of program in which people can get assistance with that because we want them to go to school. We want people to go to, to their jobs. That's all important. They have to get there is transit can they can they use public transit? I mean, all those questions have to really be discussed. But I do think that when we talk about financially, if people can show that they're having that financial issue, how do we help them as a community? Something else that came out of the Holding Cops Accountable Town Hall meeting, a couple of hours worth, of, a good exchange in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, one citizen from the audience used the term immersion training uh, in context with having a, a cultural liaison work with LPD officers to educate them on cultural practices. Did that hit home to you? How receptive are you to that? We've been doing it for years. I mean, I, I came from that um, in San Francisco. Uh, LPD has been doing cultural competency is what it's called. Um, we talk about programs. And <clears throat> it really is an important factor for our new people, <clears throat> excuse me, to understand our community um, and who's who's in our community, uh, but there are different nuances when you approach somebody that is is Muslim. Um, a man should not be putting their hands on on a woman, um, or really speaking to the woman. De it depends, um, but you know, having a female officer there that can kind of bridge that gap, you know, understanding those nuances because we also don't want to make it difficult for that community member. Because sometimes, you know, that woman will get in trouble um, from spouse or family. And so we really want to make sure that, that we're, we're doing, we're approaching it correctly. And so cultural competency is something that been, they've been training for a long time. Now, liaison um, is something that I am open to. It, it, we, we do have um, people from the community that actually help us. Uh, and so people need to understand that. And the cultural competency is is definitely something that that we do, even and we've been point, doing. Even to the point, one woman used an example of someone who was deaf coming up and waving their hand to get the attention of someone else. That was yes. that was very interesting to me. Yes, so it's the totality of circumstances mm -hmm. for officers. They're looking at it not only a person that's waving their hand, but they're looking at the entire scene, and. And it's, it's difficult. It's, it's something that people learn both in their training as well as experience on the job is that you're looking at the entire picture. If someone's just waving their hands, it doesn't really mean anything. But if that person is, is signaling that they can't speak, then you know a lot of times they'll give them a piece of paper. We'll try to figure it out or bring somebody that actually can do sign language and come in and speak to them. So, you know, it, it is... Uh, it is important, um, but it's uh, ongoing work. Here, finally, I, I feel for the Minnesota Police Department, they can't get out of their own way, it seems. Now there's a no-knock warrant question there. They, yeah. they, they busted into a door looking for a suspect. Suspect doesn't live there anymore, and, and another individual is shot and killed. Where do you come down? Does Lincoln do no-knock warrants, first of all? 
OPD? Uh, we're giving, so let me just explain that no-knock warrants are, are an important tool for us. It doesn't mean that we do it. Because a judge actually signs off, because the judge has to sign off on a no-knock warrant. Right. And so there, the circumstances are to the level in which it's dangerous. It's dangerous for the officers to go in there. Sometimes a no-knock warrant actually gets you in there as, you know, you you, you wake people up in the middle of the night um, and less resistance at that time. And so it's it's safe, safety factor. They took a, take, they take a lot of things into consideration, you know, family, kids, all those things are taken into consideration when you're when you're doing this type of work. And so no knocks. Um, it does it like I said. It doesn't mean that you have to do it. Um, if you're doing it, there's there's usually a, a reason or circumstances. But it is an important tool. Um, and you know I I don't know all the details of what happened. Mm. I think. There's a lot of media guessing about what happened, a lot of input from from the community, but do we really know all the facts yet? And so I, I kind of want to hold back and, and wait and see uh, what the facts state and, and what actually happened. Um, unfortunately, I mean, the loss of any any person is, is tragic, and that that's something that uh, they will have to, to grapple with. I mean, it really is... Uh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for the family. But the biggest question coming out of that every time mm-hmm. when a no-knock goes bad is yeah. shouldn't they have known who lives there? All the resources are afforded to a, a, mm-hmm. an investigative department. Shouldn't they have known that someone else was living there? Well, was he living there or was he just sleeping on the couch? I think that that was the question. Um, you know, we don't have a crystal ball to say who lives there or who doesn't. It's not... Like there's some registry that we have of where everyone lives. It doesn't really work that that way. Um, sometimes you have people that say that they're living at their parents' house, but they have a different address because they're they don't have that necessarily anywhere. Um, you mean crooks aren't telling you the truth? No. <laughs> no. No. And you know it. We do we do our best to try to to get all the information possible, um, and that's. Sometimes it's it's difficult. It's not an easy job. But again, we don't have a crystal ball that that can tell us that, you know, who's there at that given time. We try to do the best that we can. And I'm specifically talking about Lincoln. Um, but we 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 really go through go through a process. Can I just change something that you said? Sure. You said it's sometimes difficult. No, it's always difficult. <clears throat> From an outsider looking in, I would not want to do what the women and men of LPD do. Well, it's important work what they do, it and is. I, my hat is off to them, the men and women that work on the street, um, the SWAT team that has to go in, or anyone that has to serve a search warrant, because it's scary. It's it's not, um, it's it's just the unknown, and and so it's it, it can be very hard on them, and it weighs on them. All this well. has come up since you were here a month ago. I so know there will be more to talk about in the month ahead. And we'll do that with Police Chief Teresa Ewens. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Very much for being here on Lincoln Live.